Grace and peace of Christ be with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church on this Christ the King Sunday. This is a Sunday when the church celebrates the reign of Christ, and you can find more information about that on the back of your bulletin if you'd like to read about that today. Especially if you're visiting with us today, we're just so glad that you're here with us. There is a friendship pad on each pew. It's a black folder, and it should be near the center aisle. We'd love to have you take it and fill it out. Let us know that you're here and pass it down the row so that other people can do that too. This morning at 10 o'clock, right after this service, if you would like to find out more about our Alpha program that Michael spoke about last week, helping with it or being in it, there's a come and see about what that's like, and it's going to be in Hills Hall. Hills Hall is above the Rose Garden. If you go to the Rose Garden, there's stairs or an elevator that'll get you up there. It's right next to our office. And Michael will be there at 10 o'clock and also at 11 o'clock to just kind of show you what it's like and give you a taste of it to see if you want to be involved in that either, either as a host or as a support staff or, or as a person who comes and uh, is a part of that study. Also today at 4 o'clock, the uh, Laguna Interfaith Council is having a Thanksgiving service and it will be at the United Methodist Church, 4 o'clock today. Our office will be closed for Thanksgiving for Thursday and for Friday. And on Sunday, December 8th, so two weeks from today, we are having the choir concert and bell concert in the afternoon. It is at 5 o'clock. There you are, 5 o'clock. Uh, two weeks from today, 5 o'clock, great Christmas concert, no charge. It's a great place to invite your friends to come and join you. And then on December 13th, the third Friday group invites you to join them on the second Friday of December to have dinner together, catered dinner, and a, and a concert by the Madrigal Singers of Costa Mesa High School and also a Christmas sing-along. You can sign up for that out on the patio today. There are a million things to sign up on the patio today that are ways that you can give back and be involved with helping people at this Christmas season. One of them is the Giving Tree. You can read more about that you can sign up to be a host at Hospitality Night. First Friday of December, the whole city celebrates and opens up everything. We open up the sanctuary, we serve cookies in the Rose Garden, we serve tamales in Tank Hall, and we need people to be hosts, to stand at each door of the sanctuary, to stand over at Tank Hall, and to just welcome people. That's not a very hard job. For about 30 minutes, we're signing up for that. We're also signing up to bring cookies, to give away on that night uh, out in the Rose Garden. If you would like to sponsor a poinsettia for the Christmas season, you can do that out there. And you can also see there's a way that you can be involved in helping to bring gently used clothes and some fresh, I thought the word interesting, fresh, I think it means new socks, um, for people who are homeless that can be available for them for their homeless breakfast, uh, things that we give to them on that day. So there's lots going on. And you can see all that on the patio today. Um, we always appreciate our praise band. And I heard some news today about our keyboardist, Dan Record. I'm going to embarrass you now. Um, so there's a new movie coming out, I hear, called Midway. And Dan arranged all of the big band scenes in it, right? You arranged the music for it? Music. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're humbled to have big you with little old us. Great, Dan. Congratulations. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let's pray. Oh God, we imagine ourselves self-sufficient, and then we run short, short of time, short of life, short of stamina, short of newness. We find our future closed off and at risk, 
and we find ourselves back in your presence, waiting instead of acting, receiving instead of making. We wait and we receive and we thank because you are the only Lord, the faithful God in whom we have come to trust. And so we come to worship you with hopeful and grateful hearts this morning. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Please join me for our call to worship. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the the Lord Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and the dry land which his hands have formed. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture. Amen. Let us stand and worship God together. Is Christ the King Sunday. Oh Lord, we hail you as King.
people said, Amen. Uh, let us be seated. Hear our call to confession. When we gather to praise God, we remember that we are people who have preferred our wills to God's will. Embracing God's purpose that we become new persons in Christ, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Let us pray. When the pillar of fire flashes beside us, when the presence of God invites us in the midst of the holy, forgive, forgive us our blindness. When the kings of earth decree death to the foreigner, when fear and hate rage around us, in the face of injustice and cruelty, forgive, forgive us, us our complacency. complacency. When the Red Sea waters stand at attention, when the threshold of grace is breathtaking, in the midst of miracle and mercy, forgive, forgive us, us our, our arrogance. Let us now bring before the Lord our confession. Amen. Like a mother who will not forsake her nursing child, like a father who runs to welcome the prodigal home, God is faithful still. We rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Trust this good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Our scripture reading this morning is from Exodus chapter 14. Pharaoh has let the Israelites go from slavery, but he is now regretting it. And so he has gone after them with 600 chariots. We pick up the story at verse 10. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die here in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing that we told you would happen in Egypt? Let us alone, and let us serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die here in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. But you lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the Israelites may go into the sea on dry ground. Then I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and so that I will gain glory for myself over Pharaoh and all his army his chariots and his chariot drivers. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained glory for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his chariot drivers. The angel of the Lord who was going before the Israelite army moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness, and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, Let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon the chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was researching this sermon, I discovered that I had preached on this same passage in 2012, and that as part of that sermon, I had said, this is the first time that I am preaching 
with my iPad and I'm a little nervous about it. Well, this morning at 7 o'clock, my iPad froze. <laughs> so, after seven years of standing right here and preaching with an iPad, I'm preaching with paper this morning. <laughs> and it is a really weird thing to be standing here. I feel like I want to be out there, but here we are. Um, there is a book that my granddaughter has, uh, Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. Um, the, the authors wrote it because they said that they realized that stories really shape who we are and who we become. And that so many of the fairy tales for children, women were portrayed as either damsels to be saved or witches to be destroyed. So they wrote a couple of these books uh, featuring real-life women who were neither damsels in distress nor witches, but instead were people who were barrier breakers. They are women like Jane Goodall, uh, Cleopatra, um, Julia Child. One of them that we were looking at last night is the story of Harriet Tubman. There is a new, uh, new movie out called Harriet that I am eager to see. I have not seen it. I have just seen the trailer for it. So if you've seen it, I hope I don't tell it wrong. Um, in 1849, Harriet, as a slave in Maryland, escaped. And when she got... Uh, it, the movie shows that the whole time that she was escaping, she was in conversation with God, that God was showing her which way to go at even a crossroads. She would ask God, do I turn right or do I turn left? And God would show her which way that she should go. And she finally landed safe in Pennsylvania. She said, I looked at my hands to see if I was the same person. There was such a glory over everything. The sun came like gold through the trees and over the fields, and I felt like I was in heaven. But Harriet couldn't stay in the North and stay free without the people in her family that she knew were still in slavery. So she turned around, and she went back South, and she did it 19 times to go and rescue her family and other people. She rescued over 100 people from slavery. She was never caught, and none of the people that she was getting out ever was caught either. On the Underground Railroad, she was known as the New Moses because she was leading her people to freedom. There is a scene in at least the trailer of the movie that reminds me of this passage. She is on a high bridge arching over a wild river. She is trying to get back to the north. She is trying to escape. There on the right end of the bridge are slave hunters with shotguns. There on the left end of the bridge are slave hunters with shotguns. And they are both sides coming towards her. She doesn't have a lot of options. She doesn't have a lot of choices. She makes the Moses choice. She goes into the water. She leaps into the water and is saved by going through it. In the Exodus story that we read today, it wasn't just slave hunters with shotguns were hunting down the Israelites. They were thundering down instead with all of the war machinery of Egypt, the most technologically equipped fighting force of their time. Here were the Hebrews, freshly escaped from slavery in Egypt. They'd been led by God by a pillar of cloud in the day, a pillar of fire at night, and they had been led into this spot right in front of the sea. God has guided them to a sea that is called Yam Suf. Yam Suf is literally the sea of reeds. It means the reeds like papyrus is made of. Um, they only grow in fresh water. So as we try to figure out, looking back, where was that today? Uh, we figure it was not what maps call the Red Sea, which is the body of water that divides Egypt from Saudi Arabia, because that's one of the saltiest places in the earth. So it couldn't be there. I think probably instead it is a network of lakes that surround the wilderness. Probably no easier to cross than the Red Sea 
as it looks on our maps. They are trapped with the water in front of them and with all of the Egyptian forces behind them. The Hebrews have nowhere to turn. This is not what they signed up for. Can't you just smell the panic in the air? Can't you just feel their hearts beating? They are pushed to the very edge of their fear by survival instincts, by the herd mentality, and they are just moments from a wild stampede when they would probably stampede all over one another and kill one another in their terrified attempt to flee. They are a chaotic mess, and there are no good choices available for them. There is no hope in sight. I wonder how many times Moses had to yell to get them to quiet down. Be quiet. Stop. Stand still. How long did it take before they could even hear him saying that? Before they could then become still. Because Moses says, your part is not to flee. Your part is not to fight. Your part is to stand still and to watch what God will do. Your part is to see the Lord in the midst of all of this. As Israel watched, that pillar of cloud that had been leading them moved. And it went from front, in front of them to behind them. And it stood between them and the Egyptian forces all night long. It confused the Egyptians. They didn't know what was going on. And it allowed the Israelites the whole night long to go through the Red Sea that God opened before them. Scripture tells us that God used a strong east wind to open the sea. Man, that must have been quite a wind to do that. People have wondered what could it really have been in scientific terms. The writer's not a scientist. He just knows God did it. They think that perhaps it was a combination of something like an unusual wind and some tides that changed, or maybe it was the unusual wind with some sort of volcanic phenomenon in the area that changed the water. Somehow, God used the forces of nature, and he opened the sea to save his people. Do you remember back when we began to read the story and Moses first went to Pharaoh to ask for his people to be set free? Do you remember what Pharaoh said? He said, I do not know Yahweh. Who is Yahweh that I should let his people go? So Israel God, Israel's God has set out to answer the question. God has been showing Pharaoh who he is, that he is Lord not just over Israel, but over Egypt and all the resources of Egypt and all the hundreds of gods of Egypt. But those lessons have not been easy. God has shown his power through the 10 plagues, natural disasters, that he has brought upon Egypt, beginning with the water of, Nile, water of the Nile, the very heart of the Egyptian economy. Egypt relied on the Nile. They knew that they, they were not like the other nations that had to depend upon whether it rained or it didn't rain, they always had the water of the Nile. They could always depend upon it for their crops and for their lives, at least until Israel's God tampered with it and turned it into blood. Now that Nile was protected by a multitude of Egyptian gods, but none of them could protect the Nile against the God of, Egypt, uh, God of Israel. The plagues continued. Frogs, gnats, flies, boils, locusts, thick darkness, hail, death of livestock. Each one of them was, was representing one or more of the gods of Egypt. And in each case, the god of Israel defeated the god of Egypt. The gods of Egypt were not able to protect their people against any of the plagues. Yahweh did protect the people of Israel who lived in the Goshen area of Egypt. The plagues didn't come there. Even that last most horrible plague 
of the death of the firstborn. And now there's the showdown at the sea. Pharaoh versus Yahweh. Not a battle of the Egyptian army against the Israelite army. They really aren't an army. And they are out of there. They are running out through the sea all night long. God is the one who is fighting for them. And Pharaoh and his forces are destroyed. The showdown at the sea is to show not only Pharaoh the power of God, but also to show Israel. We have said throughout this series about Egypt that the Exodus is not only about getting the Hebrew people out of Egypt. It's also about getting Egypt out of the people. They have lived there for hundreds of years. They are part of the culture. They have absorbed so much of it. They have probably absorbed some of the gods of Egypt too. If they're not convinced about this God Yahweh, if maybe in escaping they have packed in their pocket one or two little images of the gods of Egypt, you know, just in case, this is the chance for them to see none of those gods are any match for Yahweh, for the God of Israel. And this will not be the last time that they need to know deep in their bones that the God who has delivered them is not just a small local deity. He is Lord over all of earth and all of heaven. And that he has delivered them and will continue to walk with them throughout their journey. Since the Red Sea, Jewish people again and again have been under the control of other nations, of Assyria, of Babylon, of Persia, of Russia, of Germany. And they tell this story over and over because this story has shaped them. They tell this story even at the times when the Red Sea doesn't open before them because they remember that Yahweh is with them and that the God who is with them is more powerful than any human rulers. They remember who God is. They remember what God has done and that he is the one who will have the last word. This story has also shaped the church. Today on Christ the King Sunday, the church celebrates that the God of Israel, the Lord of all, came to share our human life as Jesus of Nazareth, that he suffered and died and was raised, and that he now rules as Lord, not only of our own lives, not only of Presbyterians, not only of Americans, but of all human beings, of all things seen and unseen. And that through him, the rule of God has broken into human history. The day is coming when his rule, his reign will come in its fullness and he will restore all things. He will put everything right. And all creation will recognize him as the one who is Lord. That vision of Christ the King shapes us. It makes us people of hope. Even at times when we're stuck at our own Red Sea experience with no good choices available. Because even there, we can know that the one who is with us is the Lord over all things, the one who loves us, the one who stays with us. Let us pray. And so, Lord, in this moment of silence, we ask that you would give us eyes to see not only the circumstances around us, but to recognize you and your faithful presence. 
Lord, thank you for making us people of your story. People who, from ancient times, have seen how you intervene in human affairs. For we often find ourselves between a rock and a hard place. We often wonder if we're going to make it through the tough times. We often wonder if you are present and powerful. We especially wonder that today for our country and for our world. We wonder that because we see so much evidence that there's ambivalence and evil that controls human activity. So we ask that you would show us the power of your presence in the midst of nations and a country and a world that is full of so many other gods. We are tempted to be full of fear because we do not see a way out. We tempt to be controlled by fear, to be hopeless, so we ask that you would teach us to trust you, to walk in your ways, to take the risks of going to the place where it seems impossible to go. Help us, Lord, to be people of faith, to be people of prayer, to cry out to you for intervention, and to stand still to watch what you will do. And so we pray that prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please stand for our affirmation of faith. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is so great as our God? You You are are the the God God who who works works wonders. You have displayed your might among the peoples. Your Your way way was through the sea, your your path path through the mighty waters. waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. We give thanks to you, Lord, for you are good. Your steadfast love endures forever. Amen. You may be seated. I would like to invite up Jack Bell, Stewardship Elder. Jack. Good morning. My name is Jack Bell. I'm better known as Judy's husband. And I'm one of the stewardship elders at Laguna Press. I have been asked to discuss a few uh, stewardship matters with you. Usually Gus does this and does it very well. But he made a mistake in August and the elders have decided that I should speak. (laughs) What Gus said was, give us all your money. And uh, the elders have decided that's probably not correct, uh, that you'll need something to live on. So we're changing it. Give us most of your money. (laughs) First, let me talk about the traditional collections gap that we have every year at this time. We're off budget, uh, but it's not the end of the world. Uh, We need $400,000 in December to catch up to the budget. This is a tradition thing, traditional thing that churches do. Uh, a lot of people give in December after they look at their taxes. 
So we're in hopes that we can raise that kind of money. Uh, this is the same amount we had last year and the year before, and we're happy to take cash, checks, houses, hotels, airplanes, and appreciated stock, especially appreciated stock. Uh, no children, please. We've been offered. <laughs> we've been offered four firstborn teenage sons, and we've had to turn that down. We we really don't know what to do about it. Judy and I love this church. We have a lot of great friends here, and we've traveled the world and uh, had a lot of fun together. And we strongly believe, Judy and I believe, that we uh, we need to give our time and our talents and our treasure back to this church, and we do that. <laughs> we know there's no better investment than Laguna Press. Uh, Gareth has said that many churches he's seen, this is one of the better ones of how the money's invested. Uh, we use the money that is brought into this church very, very wisely. So a lot of good is accomplished. Please consider, as we had in the past, donating a 13th month. If you uh, had pledged 12 months of giving, add another month to it, and we'll be on our way to making up the gap. God will bless you, and God will bless Laguna Press. And now let me change the subject a little bit. Uh, next year, uh, finally, let me talk about that. Don't you love when speakers say finally? That's what I'm saying now. <laughs> the new stewardship theme for 2020 is in your bulletin. It is 2020 vision, you can see that. Give, grow, and love. A lot of us have worked on that for a while. And it shows up here a hand with a gift. That's a gift going to God and a gift coming from God. There's a plant in this circle, and that means we're gonna grow together and a heart for we'll have love together. You'll hear more about this theme throughout the year as the pastors uh, talk about some of these items. We're starting a pledge uh, campaign. Uh, there'll be a letter coming out with a pledge, uh, piece of paper in it and a letter from Gareth next week. And we ask that you pray about that with your family and give us an estimate of what you can give next year. It's not a legal contract, but it certainly helps us with budgeting. So if you would uh, consider that, it needs to come back by December 8th. There also be uh, those types of pledges in the pews. Uh, so if you forget, why well, we can help you do with that. Uh, when you bring the cards back, uh, please put it in the offering plate. It really gives the church an opportunity to budget for next year in 2020. So let me just finish, and everybody loves to hear a speaker say that. Let me just finish by quoting the last word in the Bible. The last word in the Bible is amen. <laughs> now, will the ushers please come forward for our morning offering. Thank you.
give thanks to you gracious lord for you are king above all gods above all kings above all rulers and principalities and in your greatness you teach us the way of blessing as you have blessed us may you help us to turn and bless each other and those around us that we will meet today and in the days to come and so we give great thanks for your good and gracious and kind and loving presence in Jesus Christ. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, we invite for you to come forward to meet with one of our prayer ministers. They'd love to pray with you and to pray for you. This is a difficult week to do what Moses said, to stand still and to notice what God is doing and what God has done. So as you head into the uh, potential chaos of Thanksgiving and all of the wonderfulness of it, may it be a week when you are able to stand still at least for a moment and notice what God has done and give thanks to him. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. 